Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 8 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 8, and we have been working through a series I have titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. We dove into this series because there's so many views floating around in our city, in our world that are near impossible to dissect and figure out. Even myself have to have endless discussions with people and with other pastors trying to figure out how to navigate the ideas of the world and all the things coming at us so quickly. It's like a fire hose, really trying to drink from a fire hose. I mean, it's just full blast. Just new thing after new thing after new thing that we have to argue about and debate and dissect. And so I said, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to look at Jesus' worldview and what he has to say and lay a foundation of what he thinks and then let the chips fall as they may. Let his worldview interpret all that is going on around us. I want to see through his eyes. I want to see through his lens. This is sermon number 39 through the book of Matthew. The title of the sermon is Even the Demons Obey Him. Even the Demons Obey Him. Heard of a story, maybe you heard it too. There was uh, Peter and Satan. They were there in heaven having an argument about baseball. And they're talking back and forth. True story, true story, of course. And Satan wanted to wanted the game to be played on neutral grounds between a select team from the heavenly host and his own hand-picked players from hell. And uh, Peter said, very well, very well. But you realize, I hope, that we've got all the best players and smartest coaches on the planet. Don't you realize this here in heaven? Satan says, I, I know, I know, that's all right, because we have all the umpires. <laughs> That's it. That's all you get, okay? Welcome to church. Even the demons obey him. When we mention the devil or Satan in our society, people think of some mythical creature who isn't real. No one really believes Satan is walking the streets of L.A. right now. Is he walking around here? Has anyone seen him? Right now. Sunday morning, 2021, could there be this figure, Satan or the devil, actually walking around the city of L.A.? We live in a culture and time in which we are far more likely to look to the natural world instead of the spiritual world. Few even bring up the spiritual world anymore. I mean, you never hear it. The spiritualism of our day is always about good things and fluffy things and magical things and and sparkly things. Crystals, horoscopes. This is as far as we go into spirituality. We stay far away from the dark stuff and saying that it might actually be affecting people. There might be a dark spiritual world actually affecting people. R. Kent Hughes said, we are far more prone to look for a scientific, often psychological explanation for compulsions, obsessions, disorders, and sin. We've gotten so far away from the spiritual, we would never ask the question, is something spiritual going on here? 
Is something spiritual going on inside of this person that they're acting and living this way? No, 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 no. It's just got to be a biological thing, of course. We, we literally eliminate the spiritual conversation. We don't even have it. We don't even talk about it. When's the last time you had a spiritual conversation in a doctor's office? And you sat down with a counselor. You don't talk about any of these things. They act as if it does not even exist. Oh, come on, that's ridiculous. There couldn't be something spiritually going on inside of you. There couldn't be demons around you. Sure, we joke about the demons pursuing him. The demons pursuing her. They have a lot of demons, we say. But we don't really mean that. We're nervous to step into that realm. We see crazy people on the street running around naked, tearing things down, beating people up, chasing people. We say, ah, it's just the drugs, that's all. It's just the drugs consuming their mind. It couldn't possibly be spiritual. Or is it? The book of Daniel, Daniel the prophet, talks about demons, leading demons who oversee cities rule and reign over those cities, making sure that things are going just as planned. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. If you haven't read it, I dare you to read it. I triple dog dare you to read it. It's incredible. It's a story or play about screw tape the leading uh, demon in that time, and him talking to his demons, his workers, about how to deal with the patients. Who are the patients? It's us. You get to watch their conversation and how they are to manipulate and keep these people away from the enemy who is God. And he starts, they start to diagnose people and they talk about these patients and how spiritually they can make them sick, keep them deceived. It's a powerful conversation. C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters, he writes this, one of the greatest lines in the whole book. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turns, without milestones, without signposts your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. He's training his demons. He says the best way you can get these people is to get them on the gradual road, the nice and easy laid back road. That's the way you get them to hell. The whole point of C.S. Lewis' book is that after reading it, he had hoped that people would take Satan seriously and realize that he is walking the earth the Bible tells us that he is roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's sitting in the grass. He's, he's crouched down, waiting. Could it be that all this going on in our world now is not just a natural, random issue on earth, but a spiritual one? Oh, pastor, you're crazy. You, you, would, you wouldn't say that. Are you, are you serious? Could the devil himself be behind all of this? pushing wicked men to deceive the world and turn against each other. If so, he's doing a pretty good job at it now, isn't he? He has divided people. He's a master deceiver. Everyone's distracted. No one would ever think Satan has done this with his demons. 
Not in a million years. Politically, no. Health-wise, uh-uh. Race, no. He wouldn't just so happen to pinpoint the exact things that we are the most passionate about on the planet and get us to argue aggressively about them. My health, my political views, my ethnicity, my tribe, they sound like all very inflaming issues. We don't talk about politics in my family, we would say. We don't talk about religion, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about money, right? Interesting, I, even as I say this to you, I can feel you trying to process this and how difficult it is for it to land in the mind and the heart. Because Satan isn't real. Demons aren't really out there, right? Hmm. Maybe the babies are telling us something. Today we see demons in our text. Real demons possessing men. And Jesus speaks to them. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 8 in our Bibles to stand for the reading of God's word. We always stand for the reading of God's word to remember whose word we are reading. Belongs to him, not me. He speaks, he ministers, he changes. I love these stories. Take a look at the text. Matthew chapter 8, take a look at verse 28. It says, when he came near to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled. Going into this city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask, God, that you would minister to us through this story. That Jesus, the text, would come to life. And that we would see what you are up to, what you are doing. That even the demons obey you. Open our eyes, open our ears, minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Jesus has just calmed the storms, remember? The storm was raging, they were on the boat together, Jesus was sleeping during the storm, taking a nap, little siesta. They came and woke him up and he says, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. Stand back. He walks out to the edge of the boat and he rebukes the storm and it calms. Then they make their way to the other side. And the disciples stood back at this and said this phrase, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Who is this guy that even the waves obey him? They didn't know who was on the boat with them. They forgot. They didn't know. They hadn't discovered it was Jesus, the Son of God. 
on the boat with them. No need to be scared of the storm when Jesus is on the boat. Verse 28, and when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. Jesus steps off the boat, and he is in the place of the Gadarenes. It's a place called Kersey today. That's on the Sea of Galilee. I camped with some of my buddies not far from this place, right on the shores of Galilee. Yeah. We off-roaded our little two-door vehicle, this little piece of junk, into, uh, right, in, uh, right into the Sea of Galilee, and we found this little bay. We found this little off-roading place. You just drive off the road there, and there's just all these little trails that go right up to the Sea of Galilee. Well, we off-roaded to it, and we just parked our car there. We built a little fire, and we set up our Um, we set up our sleeping bags and we slept on the ground right there. Well, lo and behold, in the middle of the night, the wind showed up like you would not believe. I had a zero degree sleeping bag, like a zero degree mummy bag. And I'm just like in there, I'm like getting so hot, I like take my socks off, take my shirt off. I'm like, we wake up in the morning, my buddies are on the other side of the car. They've stacked up their luggage and they're trying to block the wind. One guy's in the car, you know, it's so funny. But we woke up on the Sea of Galilee. Well, right there to our left, I can still see it in my mind's eye, is Kersey or the Gatherings. And we went up to that place the next day. We, we parked the car and then hiked up to this place. And it's like this white peach-looking stone-type uh, mountainside. And you can see the caves. And this is the place of the Gatherings. And this is where these two demon-possessed men were. They were hiding there. And there's a perfect slope that goes from those tombs down to the sea. Matthew tells us that two demon-possessed men from the tombs came out and they met Jesus. I was trying to envision this. We were reading the text as we're looking at it. Notice Jesus didn't go to find them. They came to find him. And these possessed men were dangerous. No one would even walk by the path of these tombs because these dudes would come out and wreak havoc. Both Mark and Luke's gospel added that they were naked. They had not worn clothes in a very long time. They had their own little nudist colony going on in there. We were also told that, that the communities around there, maybe Capernaum, I don't know who else, but the communities around them had actually taken these men and chained them up multiple times. They put them in chains, chains around their neck, their feet, and their hands. They tried to put them in an insane asylum or lock them up. But these men were so filled with the demons, so overly possessed, they would break the chains off and they would wreak havoc on those who chained them. So everybody was scared to death of them. They just tried to get them to stay there in the caves. Day and night, these guys would cry out and yell in the tombs. I wonder if they could hear them from Tiberias on the other side of the lake. Or from Capernaum. Maybe they could hear them screaming because the water would amplify. If it was nice and glassy, the the sound would come down the hill and hit the water and amplify to the entire sea. You could hear them, it says in the text, yelling in the tombs, and here it is, cutting themselves. They would cut themselves. So people were very scared. These guys were bloody and naked and vicious. Nobody knew what to do. They were outcasts of the outcasts. 
the lepers would not even hang out with these guys. And they run up to Jesus when he gets off the boat. Here comes these crazy dudes. Hair everywhere, beard everywhere. They're running at them bloody and naked. Who knows, maybe they're carrying chains with them. Flying up to meet Jesus. Mark 5, verse 6 says this, And when he saw Jesus from afar, the demon, or the demon-possessed man, he ran and fell down before him. He ran and fell down before the Lord. The disciples were probably like scared, like standing, oh, get on the boat, they're coming after us. Jesus is standing there and the guy just falls in the dirt, boom, right before the Lord. Verse 29, behold, they cried out, it says. They cried out. They cried out. What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Who's speaking? The demons are speaking. And what do they refer to themselves as? They and us. They and us. Point number one, demons are roaming the earth today. Strap on your seatbelts, are you ready? BBC.com, May 19, 2021. Demi Lovato said this on Twitter, Today is the day I'm so happy to share more of my life with you all. I am proud to let you know that I identify as non-binary and will officially be changing my pronouns to they and them moving forward. Listen how she talks. Demi said, they came to understand their gender identity after spending time doing healing and self-reflection work over the past year. Using they, them as pronouns best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression. The sorry, not sorry singer added. The singer said, they are still learning and coming into myself and doesn't consider themselves an expert or spokesperson on the subject, but then she goes on to say, please keep living in your truths and know I am sending so much love your way. Keep living in your truths. Wow, we gotta bring truth into the conversation. She now wants to be referred to as they, them, us. Who's in there? I don't know, maybe. But what in the world causes a human to do this? Oh, it's biological, of course. Hey, you were born this way, of course. Who is the they you are referring to, Demi? Multiple sexualities that change and come forth over time, thus you identify as we, they, us. How do you explain this spiritually? Oh, we don't. This is a natural thing. It's something you're born with. We don't even go there. Mark chapter 5, verse 9, the same story, but different gospel. Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? And he replied and said, my name is Legion, for we are many. My name is Legion, for we are many. One person saying we are many. 
We will find out there are much more than two demons here. This is why they name themselves legion and refer to themselves as we. A legion is referred to in Matthew's day as a Roman military unit. And as we will see, these demons will inhabit the number 2,000 pigs. They are counted in the text and pointed out in the other gospel. 2,000 pigs the demons will possess. The herd of pigs they are sent into helps us see that there, again, were hundreds, potentially a couple thousand demons in these two men. Demon possession is real. This is the real people. This is the reason people do weird, bizarre, deeply sinful things. People say, how can a person do something like walk into a school and kill all these people? How can a Hitler do that? Kill six million. How can these rich, greedy men take advantage of the poor? How can sex trafficking even exist of women and children? Why would the most powerful people in the world want to deceive people and hurt them? Because spiritually, they're being led in a different direction. In their ears, in their minds, in their hearts, something is going on. John 8, 44 Jesus said, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do things that are evil that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's the father of lies. Deception. Do you know what deception is? It's, it's what... It's semi what a magician is able to do, to deceive you or trick you into thinking something that is not there. And do you know that deception takes place all the time in our culture, everywhere, working people over, telling them one thing and doing another thing? And this is what I'm always looking for. When people talk to me about issues, I try to remain in a neutral place. I'm looking for truth and I am waiting for truth to come forth. And when there is an inconsistency in the truth, this is how I know something is wrong. Pray and ask God all the time, please give me wisdom to discern between right and wrong. Give me wisdom to discern between deception and truth. Lord, let me see when something fishy is going on, something is not right. This is why I don't trust the non-believer in power. Spiritually, they are dead and being used by the devil whether they realize it or not. And this is why I question all those in power or wealth or fame who claim they believe in God or are Christians. I don't care if they shout it from the rooftops, I want to thank God for this, or hey, God is with me in this political thing, or we want to follow Christ, we're Christians. I look at their actions, not their words. I don't care what you say, because you can say that all you want and then do something else behind the scenes. That's called deception. And this is what people do all the time. If this is going to get me that, I'll say it. If this is going to get me that, I'll do it. And people, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, the Bible tells us. Not money. Not money. Money is not the problem. It's the love of money. It's the greed causes people to do crazy, terrible things. It's power that causes people to do crazy, terrible things. 
And the devil is the king of this. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He only comes to do this to you and to me. This is what he comes to do on the earth. He doesn't come to do anything else. He only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We have to be aware. We have to wake up. Whether a human realizes any of this is going on, what, how they're being manipulated, how they're being worked, we have to realize there's a spiritual world going on behind us that is infecting the world. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy the earth. But Jesus, praise God, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. In the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all the crazy going on, we are aware of what's happening spiritually. But you know what? We are not going to bend the knee to those things. We're not going to rebel against God. We're going to keep loving God with all our heart. We're going to keep loving our neighbor and loving the friends and family and the people around us who need God. And we are going to enjoy the earth given to us by God. We're going to do it. And we're going to keep doing it despite all the chaos going on around us. I'm not stopping. These demon-possessed men run up to Jesus and bow down before him because once again, he is the Lord. They know who he is. Isn't this crazy? Verse 29, what have you to do with us, O son of God? This sounds like a servant disciple talking to Jesus. Then he says, have you come... The demons say, have you come here to torment us before the time? Plural. The disciples didn't know who Jesus was in the boat, huh? Remember? They said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The first thing these demons say is, what do you want from us, son of God? The disciples standing right there must have said, wow, he's the son of God. How do these demons know? Hello? The whole spiritual world knows. Don't you guys get it? He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords and everything in all of creation has to obey him. The demons have to explain to the disciples who Jesus is. The disciples are standing back and like, it's the Son of God. This dawned on me when reading this text. It is amazing that Jesus lowered himself so much on the earth and covered his deity so much that the average humans couldn't tell by just looking at him who he was. They had to experience him. Then their eyes were open. So many just thought he was an average guy on the street. Think about how much you would have to diminish and lower yourself and hide your glory and be treated like an average person on the earth when you know you are the son of the, of the God of all creation. You are the king of all the earth and, and kings talk back to you. You are the creator of humans and you let them crucify you. You are the God of the universe and you let your friends stumble in believing who you are. 
How much did Jesus have to diminish who he was so that they could not see? Can you imagine the disciples or Jesus' friends or the rabbis he sat under, under as he was growing up, teaching things about the Torah, teaching Jesus, things they saw or were discovering? Jesus, Jesus, come here, look at the text. Have you ever seen this in the text? It says God spoke the world into existence. Look, it says, and God said, let there be light. Isn't that amazing? Jesus just looks at them and smiles. It is amazing, isn't it? When he was the one who did it. He is the word of God in flesh. He is the one from the beginning. All things have been created by him and for him, the text tells us. Jesus hiding this the whole time. Lord, look, the Bible says this. I know, isn't that great? The Lord lowering himself all of these years. His mother Mary knew who he was. She was always trying to push him out of the nest. Show him who you are. He says, Mom, it's not time. Jesus did all that he did. Do you know this? He has impacted the entire earth. He did all that he did in only three years. His entire ministry was only three years long, and he has impacted the earth more than anybody on the planet. Three years. What did you do the last three years? Don't ask me, okay? <laughs> One year is gone, okay? <laughs> Philippians 2.6 says it beautifully, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The King of kings, the Lord of all lords. Pilate speaking back to him. Caesar speaking back to him. Telling him who he is and what he needs to be doing. Do you know who this is? Clearly you do not. He even tells Pilate, he says, I have another kingdom. He has a spiritual kingdom. And he is ruling and reigning in it now. And all of the spiritual world obeys him. Point number two, if you're taking notes, the spiritual world obeys him even if you don't. James 2.19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Do you believe? You say, yes, how much? If you truly believe he is your Lord and Savior, it will be proven and shown through an obedient life to him. Not a perfect life. We can't do that. But a life of obedience. My kids can't obey me perfect. They can't be perfect. They never will. But they can be obedient. They can try to live a life of obedience. And there is a huge difference between a rebellious life and an obedient one, not a perfect life. There's a huge contrast. 
Is Jesus truly my Lord and Savior over my life? It's up to you. You choose. One way produces life and life in that abundantly. The other produces death and depression and hatred for others. Jesus is the one. The demons revealed it. The Son of Almighty God. And he's come to set free. They have said to Jesus, they said to Jesus, have you come here to torment us before the time? The disciples must have been thinking, is this some kind of inside conversation, Lord? What, what are you doing talking with the demons? What time? Right? The demons just, talk up, just walk up and start having a conversation with Jesus as if it's been going on for thousands of years. It has. Jesus, have you come here to torment us before the time? The disciples are like, what? what? What time? What are you talking about? Torment? They, of course, are talking about the time. The big one. The end of time. The final judgment. It's found in Revelation 20.10. We are shown the future in the book of Revelation. Then the devil who had deceived them, verse 10, Revelation 20.10, was thrown into the fiery lake and a burning sulfur joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. Praise God. There's also a final judgment for non-believers and believers. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. And the death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell. It's exactly what the text is saying. This is a great white throne judgment for non-believers, so who rebel against God all the days of their life and shout, we don't want God. Then you will have it that way for all of eternity. All hell is, is the absence of God, the one who is light, the one who is good, the one who has all the blessings and promises, the one who is love, the one who has created all things good, to remove all of that from life is hell. The best description we can give is fire, because we know there is torment when anyone touches fire. It's far worse than fire. Fire is easy. Being alone and away from the one who is love and light and peace and joy for all of eternity. No, thank you. Who would want to run from that? Verse 30 says, Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. The demons just talking with Jesus. They begged him, saying, please don't torment us. Don't send us to hell. Let us go into the pigs. Is, is this mercy to the demons or a proper judgment? Bound to the pigs in the sea forever? I don't know. But they were scared of Jesus and what he would do to them. This gives me confidence in the Lord. Family, you know why? The demons are scared of him 
and I'm with him. The disciples are saying, hey, hey, uh, I'm with him. I'm with him. Pointing at Jesus, hey, yeah, you guys go to hell. I'm with him, okay? They're like hiding behind the Lord. Hiding behind Jesus. It's okay to do that. Hiding behind the Lord. Hiding in the Lord. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place, O God. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 14, you are my hiding place and my shield. I will wait for your word. Amen. The demons asked to go into the pigs instead of being judged. Verse 32, and he said to them, go. Just one word, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. Crazy. Demon-possessed animals. In our text, the demons leave the two men at the command of Jesus and enter the pigs. All it took was one word. Go. And they were waiting for the command and they fled as fast as they could and as they entered the pigs, they kept on running as fast as they could down the steep bank into the Sea of Galilee. I remember standing on the side of that mountainside where the tombs are at and looking down to see where the demon-possessed pigs would have fled. Right down from the tombs, right. It's a nice, smooth, easy, gradual right into the lake. The pigs go right into the water and die. How many? Mark 5.13 says, the other gospel says, so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Legion. A legion of pigs drowned in the sea. 2,000. Pretty crazy to think about demon-possessed animals, huh? You're like, I met a couple demon-possessed cats. <laughs> Maybe some dogs. Jess, I was just bringing this up. Remember when we lived in Paris, the trailer park there? Remember there, there, when we walk home from school, I'd get off the bus and walk down the street, and there was this little dog that would be, that little, that little dog, like, her, 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 you know that one? And I would come, and the gate would sometimes be open there. And I remember having to sprint around to get to our house. Yeah, I mean, running from this little dog. He was demon-possessed. <laughs> this shows us that there is a place in our bodies, a place in our being that is spiritual, that can be hijacked by the devil and get us to do crazy things. And this explains how much humans do, how humans do these wicked things. Can a believer in God, a true Christian, full of the Spirit of God, be demon-possessed? No. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God has already possessed us. And we are sealed. And we are in His hands. And no one will snatch us away from Him. Not the devil, not a demon, not anybody on the planet. Can we have dark moments? Oh yeah. Look at David, King David. The man after God's own heart has a very dark moment. He takes a man's wife, kills the guy, and ends up having a baby with her. 
This is the man after God's own heart. He has a very dark time. Then he repents with all of his heart, and God still uses him to do great things. We can't have dark moments. We can't have great failure moments in our lives. And maybe we were influenced by the world or the culture or our own flesh or sin or maybe even demons throwing darts and ideas at us in our minds trying to cause us to stumble and fall and get away from God and rebel. It happens. Yes, attacks happen. But a true believer can never be possessed by a demon. But I want to warn everyone here, demon possession is real. It's not something to mess around with. There is a spiritual side to us that can be filled with darkness. And that's why you don't open up yourself to the wicked, dark things of the world. A person who is willingly submitted to Satan's ways and running from God, wickedness, rebellion, and sin, and evil can and will be possessed by him because they have submitted themselves to his ways. Thus he possesses them. Watch this, just like the Holy Spirit of God does with the believer who is fully submitted to them. Watch this, as a Christian becomes fully submitted to God, makes him Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and possesses us. Look at the opposite, as someone fully submits themselves to the ways of the world and the culture and wickedness, opens themselves up, they are now possessed and filled with darkness. Can be demon possessed. Praise God, the Holy Spirit of God fills the believer. He possesses us. He fills our spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. How do we even live out these attributes? It's not me. Trust me, my old self would want to run you off the road. It's a grace of God. That somehow I could magically wake up in a dark moment of wanting to do something or hurt somebody and say, you know what? I'm going to show them grace. I'm going to show them mercy. I'm going to keep on loving. I'm going to be joyful and walk with the Lord. I'm going to rest in His ways, in His mindset. This can only happen but by the Holy Spirit. A human left to themselves is not able to accomplish this. Instead, we end up doing the opposite. Demon-possessed people, they are filled with hatred, misery, conflict, impatience, cruelty, meanness, and chaos, which is the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. I looked up the exact words so you can have the perfect opposite of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, kindness, gentleness. Here it is, the opposite, hatred, misery, conflict, impatience, cruelty, meanness, and chaos. Romans 8.11, Paul wrote, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Acts 1.8, well, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and lives in you, you will then be my witnesses to declare the truth of God's word to the world. That's what he possesses us to do. We get to. We're full of the spirit of God. This is why we stay married. This is why we keep loving our jerk boss. This is why we keep loving the person on the 405 freeway cutting us off. 
It is, it is to produce real fruit that is contrary to the way the world lives. And that is the proof that the Spirit of God lives in us. Genuine grace. Genuine grace. Verse 33, and finally, the herdsmen fled. Going into the city, they told everything, especially what happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to heal them. They begged him to cure the other demon-possessed people, the lepers. They begged him to bless them. No. The text says when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. What? These people are crazy. The demon-possessed men who were crazy, bleeding, naked, homeless men have just been set free by Jesus and healed, and you would think the whole town would have come out to see these guys set free, but instead they came out looking for the pigs. The text says in verse 33, the herdsmen fled. The herdsmen, the guys taking care of the pigs. They're like standing there, like, oh gosh, what are these demon-possessed guys going to do these guys off the boat? We've seen this a hundred times. They're like standing back. They got their herd of pigs just watching. UFC is about to break out over here. Let's go. Let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, they hear yelling and they hear screaming and they see these guys fall down before Jesus and boom, Jesus says, go into the pigs and the, the, the herdsmen are just standing there. What's going on here? All of a sudden, they see the pigs start freaking out and boom, 2,000 of them run into the sea. The herdsmen are like, uh-oh, stakeholders are not going to be happy. They run into the city to go tell everybody what happened. The herdsmen went and told the people the good news and the bad news. You guys want the good news or the bad news first? The good news, we say. The good news is those two crazy guys who are out in the tombs are healed and back from the dead, set free from demons. Really? Well, what's the bad news? Uh, Yeshua sent the demons into the pigs and our stock price just dropped 2,000 points. The pigs drown in the sea. The people are like, what? How could Jesus do that? That's our money. That's our livelihood. Who cares about these men? They were crazy. We want our pigs back. We want our money. They were more interested in livestock than people. They asked Jesus to leave. This is crazy. Many people in cities today asking Jesus to leave town. They're more interested in success than the truth. More interested in money than in people. Point number three, and finally, what being set free by Jesus looks like. Kind of a heavy talk, huh? Let's close with something fantastic. Are you ready? My favorite part of the story is found in Mark 5. Mark 5, verse 14, just listen. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind. Clothed. Jesus got him a suit. He's got the latest gear on. Sitting 
I can see him reclining in a chair. You know, he has his legs crossed with his glasses on. The word says, in his right mind. And it says, and the crowd was afraid. Of the guy in his right mind? And those who'd seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. The demons begged Jesus. The disciples begged Jesus. These people begged Jesus to leave. And as he was getting into the boat, Jesus was like, all right, I'm out. He's getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with the demons begged him again that he might be with him. Lord, let me come with you on the boat. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him this, go. Same word. He heard when the demons left. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, preach is the word. He started preaching the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This guy that they tried to chain up, they can see the scars where he's cutting himself. He's clothed in his right mind. Now he's preaching the gospel and declaring to all of his friends and everybody in town how much the Lord had done for him. I love that. The first evangelist in the Bible, the first one, it was a demon-possessed man. It's the first one recorded in the Gospels. The first guy to preach the Gospel to the world. The crazy guy. He went home to his friends and he told them how much the Lord had done for him. When is the last time you told someone how much the Lord has done for you? Isn't that a great phrase? It's not, when's the last time you went and debated with somebody about the existence of God? We can do that too. But when's the last time you went and told somebody how much the Lord has done for you? You know what God's done for me? He's blessed me. I'm thankful. I don't want to do life without him. He's brought me joy and peace and rest. Let me tell you about what the Lord has done for me. Who's going to argue with that? No, he didn't do that for you. Can't argue. 1 Corinthians 9.16, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do this, Paul says. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So I live by, in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Psalm 119.46, I will speak of the testimonies of God before kings and will not be ashamed. Psalm 145.4, O generation, one generation shall commend your works to another. You shall declare your mighty acts of God. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, on the wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. I will declare your greatness in the gym. I will declare your greatness at the bank. I will declare your, your greatness in my neighborhood, with my friends, with my family. I will declare the goodness of God. After all, hasn't he been good to us? How could this demon-possessed guy not go home and be like, 
I got to go tell everybody. And that's what he did. Let's close in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to seal this in our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to work in us. Hey, maybe you need God. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to come and fill you new and afresh to empower you to start living for him like never before. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to do this in us now. Father, we, we come before you now. Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you and we know that we need you. Lord, we have been healed. We have been raised to life. We have been filled with your spirit. How can we not go on declaring what you have done for us? Look what the Lord has done for me. Telling everyone what you have accomplished in my life. Father, I pray that you would work in me to accomplish that right here in Los Angeles. Right here in Southern California, would we be a beacon of light? And Father, I pray for those who are still wondering whether or not they know you. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at, Lord, as they see their sin before you. They say, God, forgive me. Save me. I want you to be the Lord and King and Savior of my life. I turn away from running away from God. I turn away from being rebellious. I turn to you with all of my life. I make you my Lord, you my God, you my Savior. Fill my life with goodness and peace and rest. Fill it with truth and discernment. Lord, we give you our lives. And I pray for those who are believers, Lord, who know, know, know better. We know. Lord, would you empower us with love, empower us with truth, that as we go as we go our way today, Lord, that we would be ministering to those around us, declaring the works of our great God. Fill us new and afresh with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.